Hey everyone, welcome back to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I'm Amanda Johnson, your host, and it is always a pleasure to spend a little time with you in this way. If you've been following along with the show at all recently, you'll know that I am in the midst of recording my first book, Becoming Enough, A Heroine's Journey to the Already Perfect Self. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I have had everything from solo shares of inspiration to incredible conversations with others who I find to be truly inspiring in who they are and in what they do. And like I said, most recently, I've been sharing with you my book in audio form. For me, this podcast, this radio show, this space is intended to inspire each of you as I have been inspired to be more of who you truly are. So thanks for tuning in this week. If you haven't listened to the previous chapters, you're welcome to pause this and go grab those and start at the beginning or jump right in and see if if where we are is um, exactly what you need to hear today. So today I continue with part two, the adventure. Deep within you is everything that is perfect ready to radiate through you and out into the world. A Course in Miracles. Chapter 5, Redefining Perfection. Upon entering this land of non-judgment, I was asked to confront my relationship with perfectionism face to face. When I took that first leap of faith and quit my job, I decided to go out and do something on my own. I had no idea what it would be or how it would look, All I knew was that I wanted to share the truths and principles that I was learning with others. For many months, I was encouraged to start a blog. I hesitated, I put it off, I researched, I noticed how fearful I still was of doing it wrong. What if I used the wrong platform? What if I wrote about the wrong stuff? What if no one read it? What if it wasn't good enough? These are the incessant questions you ask as a perfectionist. You think you are being wise and logical and doing your due diligence. In reality, you are stalling. You are avoiding the pain you might feel when you try something and it doesn't go as planned. You are keeping yourself safe by keeping yourself small. You are desperately trying to control what otherwise feels so out of control. Learning to wield this new power of the intrinsically immaculate self meant confronting the fear without my go-to defense of perfectionism. It's by doing this courageously and willingly that I learn I no longer need its false protection to keep me safe, because there is ultimately nothing to protect me from. Yet with this comes a tension between false perfection and true perfection that needs to be resolved, a relearning that needs to happen. This relearning happens in stages. There are many doors to walk through with courage and curiosity. I started out in the ordinary world by seeing perfectionism as my safety blanket. I feared I was inadequate and covered up my fear with pretenses. How I dressed, how I acted, what I said, what I did. I judged and paralyzed myself thinking that perfect is achieved by doing things a certain way as opposed to being. Eventually, I see a door with a sign on it that calls to me. This way, it reads. My curiosity is piqued and I move toward it with the encouragement of others. 
Through this door lies a brand new world full of possibility. Here I explore my perfectionism and start to see its duplicitous nature. I leave my shield behind and continue on my way barehanded and fully exposed. In an effort to protect myself from feeling so vulnerable, I begin to reject perfection, avoid it, and see it as the enemy. As I move about this foreign, uncomfortable world and face rejection, failure, and making mistakes head-on without any protection, I begin to experience my innate invulnerability. At this point, a smaller, somewhat hidden door catches my eye. With my newfound confidence, I make my way over to it. As it creaks open, stiff from being closed for so long, I am blinded by a light. As my eyes slowly adjust, I discover the very thing I thought my false protection offered me, and the very thing I then attempted to avoid. It is here where I reclaim my true perfection. Up until now, perfectionism had me stuck in this belief that I am not already perfect, whole, and complete. There were days when it had me feel I could be perfect if I did things a certain way, and other days when I would never be perfect no matter what. This is what the shield of perfectionism does. It covers up the reality of who you are and keeps you stuck in this pattern of seeking worth and value in other people's validation. When I first realized this, I was anxious to no longer need it, to relinquish the weight of perfectionism. I left my bed unmade, I submitted articles without spending hours proofreading them, I showed up to meetings without preparing ahead of time, I arrived late to things, I relished a life without this paralyzing shield holding me back. Still, I didn't immediately celebrate my innate amazingness, running around proclaiming how perfect I am. It was quite the opposite. It felt super scary to renounce the shield. The truth of already being perfect is a whole lot scarier than the fear that I'm not. At first, to defend myself against this new fear, I reject the entire notion. I choose to see perfection as something artificial we create to keep us stuck in this loop of aspiring for the unattainable or from doing anything at all. I no longer worry about doing things perfectly because there is no perfect to begin with. I judge the word as destructive and avoid using it. Without the shield impairing my view, I can see the negative impacts that come from striving for false perfection. It bombards our society, marketing, bookshelves, conversations, you name it. It creates anxiety, stress, addiction, dis-ease. We pick up our shields and charge after this false sense of what it means to be perfect, all the while running away from the true perfection within. One day I was reading The Surrender Experiment and something shifted. In Michael A. Singer's inspirational account of living a life based on surrender, the word perfect is freely used throughout the book. At first, I was put off by it. Then, I paused and noticed how he was using it. It wasn't in the way I was accustomed to using or had used it for myself in the past. In that moment, it struck me. What if my definition no longer serves me? What if perfect doesn't mean something going exactly the way I want it to and living up to my standards, but rather it is when something goes exactly as it is meant to. For a long time, I used to think my hair was perfect when it looked just the way I wanted it to look. 
Typically that meant like Meg Ryan's, which is hilarious considering how wildly different my hair is from hers. Or the audition was perfect because I got the exact role I wanted. Once I learned to observe that nothing is an accident, I could release my need for things to be just how I want them to be. Just because the number of people at my workshop is different from what I want doesn't mean it isn't perfect. It is exactly what I need in order to learn an important lesson about perseverance or how I am always okay no matter what. We never know how each experience is preparing us for the perfect unfolding of life. This new perspective allowed me to no longer have the same recoiling reaction to the word. Now I can see when you release your expectations, limitations, or control, everything occurs exactly as it is meant to be, which is perfect. It becomes a treasure hunt to discover the divine perfection in a flight getting delayed, offering you more time with a loved one, or receiving the exact amount of money needed for an unexpected expense, or a trip getting canceled to find a larger life lesson awaiting you. For an instant gratification society, this may not be the most desirable working definition, because it might take time to see how a moment or an event is indeed perfect. This requires a whole lot of trust in something larger than yourself, and releasing control. When I see perfection as things unfolding exactly as I plan or want, I am limited to things going a certain way and trying to control the outcome. Thing is, Perfection goes far beyond your limited understanding and doesn't require your stamp of approval. As I learn to notice and trust the completeness of the universe, I become aware of the perfection in all things. I no longer come from a place of contriving. I allow the divine perfection to take over and just be. It's easy to think that perfection is something achieved by doing things a certain way. However, if you are already perfect, which you are, then there is nothing you need to do. Perfection is experienced by being whole and complete. When I am perfect, that is a state of being. Observing the wholeness of all things is imperative to taking one step at a time with complete trust that everything will be okay. To fully embrace my true perfection, I have to experience firsthand how I'm still okay even when I don't carry the false shield or pretend it doesn't exist. It's now clear I am no longer to run away from, but rather toward the very thing I had been afraid of, not being perfect. Confronting this villain head-on without my typical defenses requires me to feel this fear fully. Any pain you feel points you to how resilient and invulnerable you truly are. If you are brave enough to feel the pain, you learn it can't ultimately hurt you. This means that when something isn't perfect according to my standards or definition, I feel the pain of it. I feel the disappointment, the gut ache, the heartbreak. I feel the desire to do something about it, fix it, make it better. I feel the fear of coming up short. I feel all of it and then notice how I am still okay. It's only by feeling it fully that I learn there is ultimately nothing to fear. In this new world of non-judgment, facing my fear means making so-called mistakes, facing so-called failure, and feeling the nagging critic make a dig each and every time something doesn't go as planned or live up to my standards. Things seem to constantly go wrong. Errors are endless, typos are commonplace. 
Time and time again, things happen that test my resolve to observe my fear and remain in my truth, as opposed to giving into the temptation of false perfection. You know that moment when you hit send and then your gut sinks as you notice something now completely out of your control is on its way to inboxes everywhere with a glaring error? This happens to me a number of times in this new land. The ego, scrambling for its shield, screams, fix it, make it right. The fear comes bubbling up that if it isn't right, I'm not safe. I'm not perfect. I'll be found out. Through all this, the voice deep within assuredly says, it is what it is. Just surrender. And guess what? I'm not rejected. No one gets mad at me. Let's be honest, no one probably even noticed. And if they did, that's fine. Even when something goes wrong, I don't fall apart. I give myself a pat on the back each time I pass the test. Each time I see a word misspelled, or a link I share not work properly, or a duplicate email go out to hundreds of people, or countless other ways it doesn't go how I want it to go, my true self observes it all without needing to fix it, or get upset, or figure it out. My relationship with my true essence is deepening. Back in the ordinary world, the term failure terrified me. I avoided it like the plague. I didn't see it the way some people do, as something to embrace on the path to greatness. I saw it as utter defeat. If I fail, I would be seen as a total disappointment. But as I started to live from the seat of my true self, my relationship with failure also began to shift. Failure and perfection go together, like peanut butter and jelly. The more I am willing to accept my true perfection, the more I am willing to taste failure. Thanks to two very inspirational women, I began to see failure in a new light. One day, while listening to Elizabeth Gilbert and Brene Brown discuss creativity, my previously held beliefs about failure were called into question. They taught me that it isn't discipline that is going to get you to day two when you feel as if you failed on day one. It's self-love and forgiveness. You don't give up due to a lack of discipline or willpower. You stop because of shame. This feeling of shame and failure is rooted in the belief that you are not good enough. Many of us believe that the secret to success and avoiding failure is to do more, work harder, push through, have more discipline. What I am learning is that the secret to success, whatever that means to you, and overcoming failure is to be more compassionate, self-loving, and forgiving, and then trust that you can do it again. I have many chances to face failure in this new way and practice self-love when the program I launch doesn't sell to as many people as I want, or my article gets rejected, or I don't get the type of response I was hoping for with the launch of a book. In the world I grew up in, these would have been make-or-break moments, and more often than not, I would have chosen break. I can still imagine the embarrassment and utter defeat that would rush through my body. I can still hear the inner critic say, well, that was a huge waste of time. Who are you kidding? Why do you even bother? Now, each of these moments is an opportunity for me to pause, practice more compassion, and then ask myself if I am willing to do it again. I don't believe the world needs more individuals who go out and do whatever it takes to avoid failure or give up when faced with it. I believe the world needs more people who observe those moments as opportunities to practice self-love and forgiveness and then go out and try again. Failure is an opportunity to notice how you are and always will be, okay.
It's a little like learning to ride a bike to go through life knowing you are already perfect and that there is nothing you can or need to do in order to prove it. It can feel a little scary and unnatural. It takes practice. You're building a new muscle, or rather, rehabilitating an old one that is atrophied after many years of not being used. It's all right to use your training wheels at first and fake it till you make it. Embracing your perfection takes time, and like riding a bike, once you learn how, you never forget. Even though it might be a little wobbly at first, there is such liberation that happens when you remove those training wheels and feel the wind in your hair as you cruise down the sidewalk for the first time. Surrendering perfectionism takes courage, patience, and persistence, coming back to your true essence over and over again. It takes practice to listen to the quiet, confident voice of the true self underneath the loud, fearful ego. As I get more adept at listening to the subtler voice, I need to re-examine what perfect means and begin to see how I already am without having to do anything. I no longer see perfection as this thing weighing me down. I see it as my birthright and how all things operate. Although words are far from ideal, they are the best things we have with which to communicate, even though they can be rather subjective and have multiple meanings. Still, they have incredible power over our thoughts and beliefs. This is why I appreciate going back to the source, the root, the definitions of words. As I explore this whole concept of perfectionism and how it shows up in my life, I want to know what I have been at first striving for and the next day rejecting, as if it were the last thing I wanted to associate myself with. What I find both surprises and comforts me. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the attributive definition of perfect, as in the already perfect self, is, quote, absolute, complete, end quote, which is the closest definition to the origin of the words per, through, completely, and facer, to make, do, perform. How many times do you hear or find yourself saying, I'm not perfect, I'm only human, or I'm perfectly imperfect? This implies you are completely faulty. I much prefer perfectly human, which doesn't mean I won't make errors in judgment or choices that are out of integrity from time to time, but this does not detract from my true perfection in any way. So long as you do make or perform something with your complete presence, it is perfect. So long as you allow the absolute unfolding of life to happen as it is meant to, it is perfect. So long as you see each moment as complete by not carrying it with you into the next present moment, it is perfect. It is by attaching to the past or not doing, making, or performing that leaves it incomplete or imperfect. More often than not, it is your own perfectionism that keeps you from being perfect. This new way of relating to perfection requires me to recognize my true self as complete, no matter what. If I am complete, there is nothing lacking, nothing to gain, nothing to strive for, nothing to fix. Perfection lies in the completeness. It is only when you choose to believe that something is incomplete that you can label it as imperfect. So long as you search for ways to fix yourself or fill the void using external means, you perpetuate the cycle. I'll be honest, it took me a while to truly integrate this definition. It's one thing to say you are already perfect, 
but truly believing it is another thing altogether. Do you honestly know that if you say the wrong thing or fail at something, you are still complete? Do you live your life based on the belief that perfection is not something to be achieved out there, but is something that exists in here? When this shifted for me, my entire life changed. I am no longer concerned if the font is just so, or my hair is just right, or the way I say something comes across correctly. I'm not afraid to try something and fail. Why? Because none of this changes the fact that I am absolutely complete. And guess what? Absolute means, quote, not qualified or diminished in any way, end quote, which means there is no place for judgment when it comes to perfection. It also means, quote, not subject to any limitation, unconditional, having unrestricted power, end quote. No wonder I rejected the notion of the already perfect self. This is a lot to swallow. Even the definition that perfect is free from any defect, faultless, now has a new meaning for me. Our true self is exactly this. All things are. There is no defect or fault in nature, in the divine. The universe has no judgment. The only reason I would resist this definition or see it as unattainable is because I am afraid to look at who I truly am and what this would mean. Much like my relationship with my ego, once I learn to accept my true perfection, I no longer need to defend perfectionism as a trusted ally or reject it as an enemy. This is what it means to stand fearlessly in your power, facing your so-called enemies and seeing there is ultimately nothing to fear. Here you are free to be exactly who you are, trusting that what you do is complete, which is always enough. I experience true freedom when I lay down my shield and no longer worry that what I do isn't enough and start being who I truly am. As I start to live from this place of completeness, I take more risks, complete tasks faster, say the first thing that pops into my head, judge myself less, judge others less, try new things. I sometimes do nothing and am totally okay with it. I no longer worry how someone might react or I worry a whole lot less. I show up fully present in whatever it is I'm doing and trust that it is perfect because I'm bringing all of me to it. As I expose this treasure of inherent perfection, I begin to get a taste for what it means to be absolutely complete. I begin to taste the sweetness of being whole without limitation or conditions. As I savor this new way of being, my ego feels even more threatened than it did before. In self-defense, it begins to judge this in the hopes that I will limit myself and fear becoming too powerful. This is a whole new level of fear I encounter on the journey to becoming enough, which I am not quite ready to face. In the meantime, with the sweetness still lingering in my mouth, I prepare to confront the clever fear that parades around as doubt. Thank you for listening to chapter five of Becoming Enough. It's so fun for me to share this message in this way. And I know I've said that before, but there really is something quite exquisite about getting to read the words that came through me out into this book and then to listen to those back in my own voice.
and if no one's ever tried this before, I, I highly recommend it because it's a fascinating experiment. And I've learned a lot about how my brain works and acceptance and compassion and all the things that I talk about in this very book through this process. So thank you for joining me for this. I look forward to continuing part two next week. We will, we have two more chapters and then I will round out the entire book, um, finishing with part three. So stay tuned. And if you do like what you're listening to, I highly recommend that you can certainly subscribe to the podcast in whatever format you're listening to it on so that you're notified of upcoming episodes. And if this book is speaking to you or if this chapter spoke to you, I highly encourage you to go grab a copy. You can buy it on Amazon. I put the link below or you can simply search Becoming Enough in Amazon and you can order the paperback or the Kindle version. And until next time, peace and blessings.